Welcome to the Build Your Own Table podcast. I'm your host, Nakia Gray, intellectual property attorney, business coach, author, wife, momager, and biz bestie. I know that creating and leveraging intellectual property is how the wealthiest people in the world acquired their wealth, and I believe it's how you should too. This podcast is dedicated to inspiring and motivating women, particularly women of color, to tap into their own creative genius and use it to create, protect, and monetize their intellectual property so they can build wealth through entrepreneurship. My guests and I are going to share our stories of how we got tired of waiting for someone to give us a seat at the table, so we built our own. If you're tired of shrinking to fit into spaces that weren't designed for you, you're in the right place. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Build Your Own Table podcast. I'm your host, Nakia Gray, and I'm so excited to share some very interesting stories with you on today's docket. First on the list is a win, at least a win for now, for Black Lives Matter. Now, I don't know if you knew about this or not, but Adidas, the athletic brand, filed an opposition to a trademark application that Black Lives Matter filed, alleging that the three horizontal stripes under Black Lives Matter and their logo would infringe on their three-stripe logo. Now, if you know anything about Adidas, you know that they are one of the most notorious brands when it comes to their trademark. They have filed several lawsuits. I mean, anytime you see or hear three stripes, just know Adidas is coming for you, okay? So if you are even considering using it, definitely second guess um, and revisit that and decide is it something that you really wanna do, okay? They have filed lawsuits against Land's Inn, Payless, Walmart, Forever 21. I mean, they actually won it and their uh, lawsuit against Payless, they received over $305 million in their infringement suit against them. They also filed against Skechers. I mean, the list is endless, okay? Now, I will say that this latest one was a bit of a shocker for me because we're talking about Black Lives Matter here, okay? We are talking about the Black Lives Matter that is the nonprofit organization that is designed, um, that was created uh, on the heels of the George Floyd murder in 2020. Okay, so Black Lives Matter filed a trademark application uh, to trademark Black Lives Matter in many different classes. They've got podcasts, they've got um, charitable services, they've got apparel, mugs, all kinds of merchandise, many different things. And so they have a very long list of what it is that they were looking to trademark. And when the opposition period opened, Adidas filed an opposition. Now, just in case you're not familiar with the trademark process, let me just break that down for you. So when you file to, um, when you file a trademark application, the first thing you're going to do is wait for a really long time (laughs) because they are so backed up. But you are going to have an examining attorney who works for the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, which is the government agency that oversees trademark applications in the U.S. You will be assigned an examining attorney through the USPTO, and that examining attorney has a duty to first examine your application. They're going to conduct an investigation. They're going to examine it to make sure that all of the you have crossed all your T's, dotted all your I's, and this is something that they believe you can move forward to the next step, okay? So that in and of itself takes forever. (laughs) Um, So in the case of Black Lives Matter, they filed their application 
And after the examination, the examining attorney was satisfied that they had met all the requirements and that they could proceed to the next phase. The next phase is what we call the publication period or the opposition period. This is where your application or your request for this trademark is going to go into the paper and there is a 30-day period that any person who has any reason to believe or wants to have filed any opposition to you receiving the trademark, they get 30 days to file their opposition. It's a speak now or forever hold your peace type of deal, okay? And so what happened with Black Lives Matter's application is that that went to opposition and publication and Adidas filed. Adidas actually filed an opposition um, claiming that if they were to, if the Department of Trademark Office were to actually grant this application um, to Black Lives Matter, that it would um, dilute their brand and it would, people would be confused uh, because they would think that that was somehow related to Adidas merchandise. Now, I'm going to tell you, I have seen the Black Lives Matter logo. The last thing I was thinking about was Adidas when I saw it. I think that is a major, major stretch. But nonetheless, they filed it. Now, for whatever reason, 48 hours after they filed their opposition, they came back and said, never mind, we're not going to oppose it after all. (laughs) And I thought that was very interesting. What I don't know, what you don't know, what none of us know is what went on behind the scenes to make Adidas pull this back. Now, I would think that someone in their management, someone on their legal team would say, you know what, guys, this is probably not one that we need to fight, right? But for whatever reason, they thought that it was, but they quickly changed their mind and they pulled it back. Now, interesting to note in this is that when they withdrew their opposition, they did so um, leaving the door open for them to come back. Okay, so and, and we there's a legal term that we use with or without prejudice. So with prejudice means we're withdrawing it and we are um, forever waiving our rights to ever bring this up again. Okay, so when, when something is dismissed with prejudice or withdrawn with prejudice, that's what that means. But if it is without prejudice, that means, how ah, that's how I feel today. But if I want to come back tomorrow or next week or whenever, I can. The door is still open. And so that is what Adidas did, which I thought was very interesting too. Um, but either way, the 30-day opposition period will end. And then once, if there are no other oppositions filed, then this Um, application and that trademark will proceed to registration and Black Lives Matter will actually have the registered trademark for Black Lives Matter. But I thought that was just very interesting. You know, in this, what we want to remember, and and of course, anyone has a right to oppose a trademark application. It's not just big brands like Adidas. It could be you, it could be me. But what we have to remember when we are um, looking to file an opposition, we've got to be able to make the, the test the standard that the Patent and Trademark Office is, is going to hold this to is whether this um, whether the granting of this application would be confusingly similar to what you have or your registered mark if you have one, right? And so that's a that's a pretty strong um, standard that you have to meet. So you can't just oppose it just because you don't like it or you just you know you, you think that it. They just shouldn't get it, right? No, that's not the standard. You've got to be able to show that. And, and here's the best way that I explain to my clients when we're talking about confusingly similar. If, and I'll let's use the example at hand. So what 
Adidas would have to prove is that their consumers, their audience, if they see the Black Lives Matter logo that has the three horizontal stripes underneath the words Black Lives Matter, that their customers would be confused and think that it was somehow an extension of the Adidas brand. Now, I think that they could, there was no way that that was going to happen. Like, I think the chances of that are very, very slim. And so I believe that they did the right thing um, quickly. <laughs> I'm happy to see that they just pulled it and they are moving on. So, but I thought that was very interesting, you know, and I want you, I would love for you to go take a look at this. Okay. Google Black Lives Matter. They have a podcast as well. Um, look at their podcast cover art. I mean, you, you've probably seen this logo. Do you believe, when you look at it, do you think about Adidas? I'm willing to bet most of you are going to say absolutely not. Um, but please leave me a comment, drop me a line, find me on social media and let me know what you think about that one. Okay. So since we're talking about those that are notorious for fighting in trademark court and trademark land, let me tell you what's going on with our overzealous brand Coachella. Coachella is just like Adidas. Okay. Anybody that mentions any kind of cella, best believe that Coachella is coming for you. Okay. So don't do it. They have filed many trademark infringement. I mean, they are not, they don't go away easily. Okay. They have filed many um, of these. Okay. And so the latest one is for a um, cannabis company called Cochillin, <laughs> which I think is kind of cute, actually. So first, let's talk a little bit about Coachella. You probably have heard of them. They are a music festival company out in California. They actually were founded in 1999. I don't think I knew about Coachella way back then, but they've been around for a long time. So they have this um, festival and they've got, it's popular. It's one of the biggest you know, um, festivals that are held every year. There's all, it's a brand, it's a big brand. And so this company, Cochillin, was founded in um, 2016 and they are a cannabis cultivation company and they are in the same vicinity and in the same area. Now, while I am not certain that by sound alone, right? So we're just looking at Coachella versus Cochillin, whether I believe that it's confusingly similar. But let me tell you what this case turned on. What Coachella is saying is that the logos and the products that Coachillan was putting out were deliberately styled to reference the music festival. So they had an image of a Ferris wheel, which is you know one of the signature pieces of their brand for the Legrand wheel, which is famous traveling Ferris wheel that's always at the festival. Um, they're also uh, on their social media and when they were marketing for their um, some of the events and things that they were having, they were using references in their marketing, some messages that said, you know, quote, just in time for hashtag Coachella Fest. So eh, that is where I think they went wrong. Right. So I think if you were to look at them completely separate and let's say that perhaps Coachillan was on the east coast and had nothing to do with you know california the festival or anything like that didn't look like it didn't have that look and feel i think that cochillan might have had a stronger case right but it seems to be that they were kind of trying to lean on it a little bit and and that's where they kind of got into trouble so 
What we know is that they reached a settlement. We don't know the, all the details of that, but what we do know is that Cochillan has agreed not to use um, the, the, um, that trademark and not to use any other marks that are confusingly similar to Coachella. So basically they agreed to stop. Um, I don't know if there's any money involved in this one or not, but they are agreeing not to use it in their products, services, marketing, branding, or on their social media, which is probably the right thing to do. It was probably the right thing to do. I do think it would be very difficult um, for them to overcome this, okay? And this was a pretty quick resolution of this case. Um, Coachella filed this lawsuit in November and here we are in April and it's already been resolved, which I think is good, okay? But while we're talking about Coachella, I wanna tell you about another pending case that they have right now. They have also filed a lawsuit uh, just last month against Mochella, which is a music festival right here in Washington, D.C., okay? So uh, originally this started at the trademark um, office where uh, Mochella, which is a dc brand um they have a music festival here in dc called mochella and it's really you know all about different topics like gentrification um juneteenth um, which commemorates the end of slavery in the u.s and you know they've got it's pretty popular here i'm, I'm not sure how far it reaches whether it's national or not but i know here in the dc area everybody knows about mochella it's a big deal so what happened was Mochella filed um, to trademark it and Coachella filed a suit first in um, at the, the uh, Patent and Trademark Office to stop their application, right? So they filed their opposition and then they actually filed a lawsuit, which I think is like, okay, I mean, did you really have to do that? You know, that, that's what I mean when I say notorious. This is what I mean, because some people and, and it'll be interesting to see if this is what they do with Cochillan, right? This the, the Cochillan um, settlement just happened. So what we it'll be interesting to see whether they settle with them. If I represented Cochillan, I would make sure that in that settlement agreement that there was a release that releases them from filing the lawsuit. So I think because Mochella was fighting with them and didn't concede um, that Mochella would um you know, that's why Coachella say, oh, okay, you want to play dirty? Where well, we're going to play dirty. And that's kind of what they're doing. Okay. And so um, the thing about it is that, you know, the word mo is slang in the DC area. And, um, and so, you know, that is where that comes from. I think that one of the issues with that I see with that, um, with, with Mochella is when you look at the font used on their logo, uh, it, it it's very similar um, to the same to that to the font that's used on Coachella. So I think that that's a part of it. Uh, it's a festival; they're a festival. You know, that's again just really a um, it's a difference, right? And so there there are a lot of folks here. This had a lot of people in DC in an uproar because uh, this you know it really started behind the uh, a huge campaign for uh, go-go music, which is a very unique genre of music that is historically tied to Washington, D.C. and the Black community. And so um, there was a lot of outrage 
when that happened in 2019, there is a, a, you know, right down the street from Howard University, there is a store that would play um, go-go music outside of the storefront. And this is like a known thing, right? Like this is just part of the culture in DC. And so due to gentrification and lots of things changing in the city, there was, uh, you know, the council was, the, people went before the council to stop this. And so that's really where, um, where, where Mochella came from. And so I do think, I certainly believe in the cause, support the cause, support everything that they're doing. But I do think we just have to be so very careful um, because it just, we just know when we have notorious people like them that they're going to come after you, right? And so um, while they did, and I think this was very smart on on um, on the part of the defendant, and the, the defendants, by, by the way, are named uh, Justin Johnson and Kelsey Adams. They are the organizers of Mochella. While I think this was very, it was very wise of them to withdraw their trademark application once um, there was this opposition filed by Coachella, this lawsuit that was just filed is alleging that they, they're still using it. And so that's problematic, right? Like, so you, if you, if you're going to, and what you really want to do is you want to read the settlement. And part of that settlement needs to be, if I do this, you're not going to come after me, right? Because, you know, that's really where things can just get ugly and be um, a bit crazy. So it will be interesting to see. It's never too late. You know, as a former litigator, I will say it's never too late to settle. <laughs> I have settled many cases outside on the uh, courtroom steps right before trial, right? So all the way up to that. But here is where from a lit litigant standpoint, and especially from a brand standpoint, you just don't need the bad publicity, right? You don't need to be spending your time, your creative energy, and your money fighting that cause when you should really be building your brand and selling your products and or services or selling out your events. So it's not always the best idea to take it, you know, that far. So always just looking at that and seeing what's going to be the best way to handle it. Okay. What I do know is um, that there is counsel on both sides. And so that's always a good thing that um, I'm glad that um, Johnson and Adams have an attorney that's representing them on the side of Mochella. And I really hope that um, they are able to settle this and that this doesn't impede or impact um, their ability to host their festival that, you know, should be, they're probably in the planning stages. It's usually in June. So, um, so that is that one. And so those are the two that I thought were the, just the juiciest and the most interesting, just to throw in one for honorable mention, this is not worth a whole lot of, uh, airtime, but you probably have heard that Kim Kardashian filed to trademark Northwest. And that's not that surprising. She's trademarking Northwest, which is her, um, daughter's name, her oldest daughter with Kanye West in, um, the beauty and skincare and, and some of those things. And so at first glance, that's not that surprising, right? Kim has 511 million trademarks. The Kardashians are notorious for making sure that they're protecting their brands, all of their kids' names. So this is not, you know, Northwest, um, their, their other children, Chicago, Saint, and Psalm, they all have trademarks as well. But what I found to be so interesting, and I haven't seen this discussed, I don't know that this is an issue or not, but it just raised, um, you know, my eyebrows a little bit, is the fact that Kim and Kanye are divorced. And so as a former divorce attorney, never in a divorce case do I recall there being, a, well, let's just say divorce and custody, in a divorce and custody case, never do I recall there being any type of ruling 
as to who gets to manage the IP of the children. <laughs> and so I was just wondering about this, like, okay, Kim has filed under the name of her LLC, uh, which is Kim's a Princess LLC. That is the LLC. That's the name that holds all the IP that Kim files. She has filed to trademark this. And so I just wondered, as a divorced parent, right, Kanye is a parent as well. Kanye is in the entertainment space and in the fashion industry. And he's, you know, certainly some would say a genius in this space. Why does Kim get to manage the trademark for Northwest? So this is something that I just thought about. And I, you know, maybe that's in their agreement. Maybe they have a settlement agreement about this. Maybe Kanye has conceded to it. I'm just so curious to know. And I would give anything to find out if that is the case. Or can we expect that there will be some dispute down the line, right? This just takes the whole custody battle to a whole nother level when we're talking about IP of children. So that one isn't, you know, it, it's not a war or a dispute just yet. It's just something that, you know, a IP attorney today who used to be a divorce and custody attorney many years ago, it's something that I saw that most people may not see. So I just thought that that was very interesting. Okay, so that's all I've got for you today on the docket jurors. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode and I will see you next time. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did, remember to hit subscribe and to stay updated, head over to buildyourowntablepodcast.com to connect with me. I'm Nakia Gray. I'll see you next time.